This is The Guardian. Today, a year since Masa Amini's death, how much has changed inside Iran? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When news broke that Iran's morality police had beaten and arrested a 22-year-old Kurdish woman for supposedly wearing improper hijab, people were outraged. After three days, Masa Amini was dead. We were so furious. We wanted to stop this violence. This girl was murdered somehow in custody of a morality police of Islamic Republic. Uh, so this is why people came to the street and uh, protested against the government, against their brutal rules that they have imposed people since uh, 1979's revolution. So it was a spark for people to come to the street. Mahdi was one of hundreds of thousands to take to the streets. He went with his older sister Mina, who had always been a role model to him. She used to be a, a personal trainer, a successful personal trainer in Iraq. So she was, she's uh, 33 years old now. She has a 12-year-old daughter. And uh, she's so brave, uh, really. She's not afraid of anything. She wanted to get her rights back as, as other women in Iran. Do you feel inspired by your sister? Were you influenced by her growing up? Of course, yes. Not just my, by my sister. It's other women by the death of Sorrowful's death of Masa Amini. It's so sad when you uh, hear that a girl, 22 years old girl, was killed just not because of uh, viewing her hair properly. I was inspired by my sister, by all the women, Iranian women. At one demonstration, the two of them were filmed and their lives were changed forever. After three days, a film went viral that's showing my sister throwing the uh, stone toward the Ali Khamenei's picture. I was not on the movie, but I was shouting and encouraging my sister. So it, it went viral in all social medias, YouTube, Instagram, everywhere. Days after that clip went viral, Mahdi and Mina were arrested and detained. They were taken at gunpoint to an unknown location. They say the authorities were trying to force them to confess to crimes they had not committed. They, they tied me to a chair uh, and tied my hand from behind to a chair and blindfolded and hit me. Mina says that with a still pipe it was hitting on her uh, neck and her 
pomegranate. They said, if you do not confess, we will kill your uh, 12-year-old daughter. Bring her here to torture her, and I kill her in front of your eyes. Uh, it was just shocking, uh, but Mina resisted. Mina didn't do that. Mina said, they just want our right back. They kept Mina in their custody for more than 35 days, and they kept torturing her. Protesters gathered outside the prison where Mina was held. They tried to kill Mina. They, everyone knew about that, that day they tried to kill Mina. So on pressure of people and our family, they, they had to release Mina on bail. And then they sentenced Mina to 11 years of prison. But Mina was brave and defiant. Mina released another video, a film of herself saying that I'm not going to give up until I get our rights back. If you kill me, my sister will uh, continue this movement. So uh, we are not afraid of you. Uh, the only way you can just make me quiet is just killing me. The pair were smuggled out of the country in the back of a truck. They now live in exile, but Mina is separated from her daughter. We were pretty sure that we will, we will be killed if we stay in Iran. So we had to flee the country through the mountains. My mother and father has to hide her daughter not to let them take her. In Iran, protests on the streets have been repressed. But as the anniversary of Masa Amini's killing approaches, activists say her death has not been in vain. Something powerful has shifted. People's mind, mindsets, the people's point of view have all already changed. They are not going to be uh, the people that used to be before uh, Mahsa's death, you know? I'm sure that one day, it's, it might not be tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, maybe next year, maybe two years later, but I'm sure that they, that they continue this movement, continue fighting till they get their rights back and they will wipe out all the sign of Islamic Republic from the soil of Iran. I'm pretty sure. And of course, until that, we are not going to stay quiet, stay silent. From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, the enduring legacy of Masa Amini. Nagin Sharagahi, you're an activist and former journalist, and you've been closely involved with the protest movement in Iran. Tomorrow will mark a year since the death of Masa Amini. She was a 22-year-old Kurdish woman visiting family in Tehran who was picked up by the morality police and later died in custody. Her death was hugely shocking, and it made headlines across the world at the time. Can you remind us about her story and what happened to her? Gina Masamini's story is not necessarily unique as an Iranian woman. I call her Gina Masa because everyone around the world knows her as Masamini. She wanted to be called Gina, which is a Kurdish name, but they couldn't get uh, the permission to have a Kurdish name in her documents. Since the Islamic Revolution, there has been different ways that police has been imposing mandatory hijab on women. But throughout years, women were pushing those boundaries. So now in Iran, you see women 
wearing colorful uh, scarves and clothing and all of that. And in, even in the last decade, Iranian women are pushing those boundaries even more. But when you look at how Gina Mahsa was covered on that day, in the videos, in the, uh, the pictures that came out, she was wearing a really conservative clothing. But the specific station that arrested Gina, it was infamous for its brutality when they were arresting people. The brutality was into the level that, yeah, we saw the unfortunate death of her. Arrested for allegedly violating Iran's Islamic dress codes, Masa Amini was held by the country's morality police in September and died in their custody three days later. Nikin, what did the regime say had happened to Masa Amini? How did they explain it? So their first response was Masa had a heart uh, situation and, and that's how she died. But then soon after, the medical team um, published a report denying that. And as, as well as that, like the government officials came out and said something different. And then they said they arrested people who were in charge of this death and, you know, giving you a lot of different uh, lines and narratives that would be difficult to verify. The police say they believe she had pre-existing conditions and that was the cause of the heart attack. Her family have a different version of events. They say she had no pre-existing health issues. She was a healthy 22-year-old woman who was taken and she never left that police station. Well, following news of her death, Iran saw the largest protests it had seen in years. And it felt like a really radical, hopeful moment. Can you explain why that is and how widespread they really were? It was the biggest protest that they've seen across the country since the revolution. And there was a reason behind it, because um, I believe that the pain that Iranian women have been suffering throughout three years, especially after the Islamic Republic Revolution, as well as the political system, that was based on patriarchy and misogyny, means that they experienced all of different atrocities that the government was imposing on its population. They are Kurdish who minorities who've been, you know, oppressed throughout years. They are Baha'is, they are Arabs, they are Turkmen's. All of these different groups, LGBTQ plus community was suffering as well. So all of these different groups, they could see that in Woman Life Freedom slogan, there's something that resonates with them. It's uh, really progressive because Woman Life Freedom talks about women's rights. It talks about environmental issues, talks about liberty as a basic human right. They felt they can see themselves in this movement and they want to change it. Did it feel like the first time there was so much unity on the streets? And did it feel like a tipping point for you? Oh, yes, it did. It was the first time that from, you know, the Kurdistan to Baluchistan in Iran, we heard the same slogan being repeated. We heard people supporting each other from different communities that we never had before. And I think there is this moment in the Iranian history that we would look back to it and say, oh, that was the revolution that happened. Because when you look at people and when you talk to people, 
the mindset has changed. Behavior in the society has changed. The culture has changed. We're not going to go back bef- to before Gina's death. And this is something you hear more and more every day from different groups of people in Iran. It wasn't just people taking to the streets. There were extraordinary acts of civil disobedience and really striking visual gestures of solidarity that went viral around the world. It's not just demos, it's disobedience as well. So, uh, for example, women go to workplaces still every day and they, they do their civic disobedience. They don't wear hijab, even though it means they get arrested. And they're, if they're in a car, they get their cars get confiscated, and they have to pay a fine. Also, their lashes and other uh, you know punishments, and they continue doing that even though the street protests went down. Um, the disobedient didn't go away, and people started organizing. Even though even that is really dangerous, and the government continuously imprison people put fines on them, confiscate their houses, their bank cards. So the prisoners' right and their family's right is taken away from them. So in that situation, people still continue fighting and doing civil disobedience. I think that's something amazing. One of the biggest gestures that we've seen early on after Gina Massa's death was um, the cutting of hair, which goes back to this Iranian tradition a mythology. The women cutting their hair in mourning. And it, it came from one of the famous activists. They started doing it and it went viral, like instantly, like a wildfire, because it was something really deep in the culture. That old mythological culture is something the Islamic Republic was against. So even in that act, they were showing defiance to the Islamic Republic. And it didn't limit to the women, men joined as well. Nagin, one of the remarkable things about this uprising was that some of the protesters were so young. Lots of us remember watching the footage of schoolgirls in Iran, angry and defiant of the attacks on clerics and just feeling awed by their bravery. How did the regime in Iran initially respond? And how did that change as the weeks and months went on? The response from the beginning was oppression. Any um, schoolgirl who were writing slogans on the you know walls, like bringing down the picture of the supreme leader, shouting slogans, uh, "Woman, life, freedom" inside the school, and all of them had been crashed down by the government really intensely from day one. We also had arrest of girls under 18, and the cases of sexual harassment and rapes. These were all about how to control this young generation who's not going to obey us. So from the outside, it did look like the regime might make some concessions to the protesters and there were news reports that the morality police would be suspended. But what was the picture like on the ground in Iran at the time? My surprise was all the news, big news agencies in English, they published the news as the morality police was off. They not 
only that they didn't cancel the morality police. Throughout those months, they killed more than 500 people. The number of arrests is so massive that it's impossible for the human rights community to actually document it. Within one month, in one province in Iran, there are reports of more than 8,000 people being arrested. And this is at the beginning and throughout the last year. And based on the Amnesty International's report, more than 70 children under 18 years old um, have died during the protests. Right. I know as I talk to some people, that some pa- families are not even um, you know, registering the death of their children under the protests because they've been under pressure not to do so. And, and they buried their children as, you know, a, a natural death. Oh, gosh. So they, from what you're saying, although it's difficult to verify, some parents aren't even attributing their children's deaths to these protests, to the regime, because they're afraid to. Yeah, unfortunately, that, that has been the technique they've been using because they want to keep the number, at least for the international community's sake down. Well, in December last year, the Iranian regime started executing protesters. They began with Mohsen Shekhari, who was just 23 years old. Six more executions are believed to have taken place in the month that followed. Three took place on the same day in May this year. Soleh Mirhashami, Majid Ghazami, Saeed Yakubi. All of them lost their lives under this brutal regime. What impact did these killings have on the demonstrations on the ground? It definitely has scared some people. It's a brutal way of gaining control. But at the same time, the bravery I see from people, it's, it's immense. When you talk to this younger generation, it's different from their parents. Or even myself, like I would have this conservatism about how much I'm going to sacrifice. For this younger generation, There is this understanding that there's nothing out there for us. The only other option is getting out of Iran. But a lot of them want to stay, fight, and build the Iran that they can live in and have a future in it. Because at the moment, no one other than the cronies of the Islamic Republic can live a safe life. Masa Gina is a really good example of that. She was living her life. She wasn't politically active. But for the sake of being a woman, she was killed. And I think that's something that the Iranian youth understands really well. And yet, despite the tragedy of her death, there was this sort of spark of hope that it inspired. I mean, it felt like, well, it didn't feel naive to think that there might actually be some rethinking about the rules governing women's lives. Has that feeling now dissolved? So I think for the Iranian woman, there is this understanding that the regime is not going to change. The feminist movement in Iran tried to reform the government and it didn't change. And the Islamic Republic showed throughout years that they don't believe that women are human. They're equal to men. And Supreme Leader repeatedly says that women's place is in the household. And Iranian women, they understood that there are either they change the regime or they have to live a life as slaves of the regime. And from my understanding, Nagin, the crackdown isn't just physically on the streets. I mean, the regime has been very sophisticated in sowing disunity online. 
Can you tell me about that and the impact it's had on splintering the protest movement? So they've been using different techniques and tactics. One of them was they were using influencers on Instagram and social media to guide the narrative. So, for example, if there was a call for protest, there were so many fake accounts, as well as some of the influencers being under pressure from the government to publish falsehood. So they were sending people to the wrong places and then they would arrest them. As soon as they would arrest someone, they would get access to their social media and all of their accounts and computers and everything. Even though like I might have known that person personally before, now I'm not even sure if they're sitting behind their computer and account. So this information became massive and they used it to make sure a big process won't happen. So now I see more and more, especially for the younger generation, they're educating themselves, they're um, you know, organizing themselves on the ground and um, trying to learn how to create the opposition. So at the moment, the regime is proposing a new hijab bill, just support the family by promoting the culture of chastity and hijab, which could sentence women to 10 years in prison, to lashes, and even close down businesses if they're serving women who aren't considered to be properly attired. This is the best uh, indication yet that the government feels confident that the women's led anti-government protests that were started last September are over and the government believes that they have the upper hand, they have the momentum uh, now, uh, and they're going to use that momentum uh, to re-establish Iran's mandatory hijab law and convey the message to women and the Iranian people that if you thought the hijab law was not going to be enforced, think again. If you violate this law, there's going to be a price to pay. How are UN experts say that this is tantamount to gender apartheid. So is it fair to say that the laws against women have become even more draconian in the last year? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was much more the enemy is the woman. They're putting money, a lot of money and resources in making sure that any laws relating to oppressing women are enforced. In the last two months, we've seen a rise in the number of arrests. So they arrested a lot of feminist activists on the ground. So they even arrested Masa Amini's uncle, uh, you know, a lot of other family members of the people who, who died during the last year. So they've been arresting a lot of um, uh, professors as well as kicking them out of universities because the uh, student movement have been really prominent during the last year. Uh, we, we've seen the arrest of Nilufar Hamidi and Elohe Mohammadi, two female reporters who reported on Mahsa's um, being in a hospital as well as her death. And sh- they are both still in prison. It's a really high uh, level of um, crime, like um, being the enemy of the state. The other part of it is like even none of the foreign journalists have access to real information inside Iran. It's been really difficult to get permission to go in Iran and report on Iran now. On Saturday, it will have been a whole year since Masa Amini died. This weekend's anniversary will be particularly significant. What do we know about how Amini's family planned to mark it? There is um, this ceremony of going to the uh, graveyard of the person who died on, on the year anniversary. The problem is there has been a lot of arrests in the family limiting the access. So 
what I guess is that the government is going to try to put uh, military soldiers around um, the area and stop people's access to the graveyard, but people would try anyway. So um, unfortunately, we might even see clashes with the security forces. We would see shutdown of the internet, but but that wouldn't stop people because it's not just on the mass origina. It would be the anniversary of the others, any of these 500 people that has been documented in the days coming. But I'm sure people would show their solidarity in one way or another. Given the brutality of the regime's crackdown and the fact that people may be too afraid physically to take to the streets, what does the protest movement look like now and how are activists organising? One of the beautiful things we've seen inside Iran is the support the women are getting, especially in the workplace, from their colleagues. So I know a couple of examples of funds. So if a woman gets um, arrested or their car gets confiscated because of the hijab so they can pay for the taxis and that sort of things and get to work without problems. Um, And I think these are like small um, acts of disobedience as well. But, you know, mounting on top of each other, this is going to create a massive change. Well, as you said, women have been at the forefront of these protests and have led it all the way through. And men especially young men, have risked their lives to support them. And it's been really extraordinary to witness. Do you think this has changed something in Iranian society? And how does that unity look now? I think it changed a lot in the Iranian society. One of the groups that have been um, really active on the streets of Iran is the queer community, LGBTQ+. We've seen their you know, flags being on the streets. We've seen the conversations around this community being out there as well. This is a country that LGBTQ people can get executed. So we should remember that this is a massive step. This support and solidarity with women who are um, not obeying the Islamic mandatory hijab laws is massive in the society. Men are making sure that they're even they're not looking at the woman so they don't make them feel uncomfortable. Um, and I hear a lot of stories around that. And that, for me, is a change of behavior. But nonetheless, it's huge now, right? I mean, the fact that there's been a generational change in the way that men behave and support women, it seems massive. It's massive. And then now we get more information about atrocities against women. So, for example, um, honor killing is something that happens in Iran a lot. And especially in, in certain remotest parts of Iran. And now women even in those parts are speaking out against it. And men are joining them as well. And I see that as a really massive progress. Coming up, why Mina and Mahdi are still fighting back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in Focus is supported by... 
BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Mahdi, you and Mina have sacrificed your lives for this movement and to some extent your relationships with your families because you can't be with them. How do you look back on that? How do you look back on this experience? Do you ever regret it? No, no, of course not. If you want to do something valuable in your life, something important, you have to sacrifice something for yourself for, for, for achieving that. It's the least things we have to do, you know? And also right now I'm talking to you, my family is under the pressure. They have summoned my sister, my family, my, my father uh, to, you know, why they fled the country. We are gonna kill you if you do something. You have to you know, convince them to come back to country. And they are, they are under the pressure now. So when I look back, I think all we did uh, worth it. Many people, many youngers sacrificed their valuable lives for this movement, for this path. How do you expect things will change, that all of these deaths and injuries and lives in exile make an actual difference to the lives of people in Iran? You know, these, uh, these things that you mentioned, that the people, they lost their lives, you know, uh, exile, everything, make the path clearer, better than before. And now... We exactly know what we want. So now for people, there is only way is to get their right backs and uh, uh, let them get out of our country, Islamic Republic. Mahdi, a year on after you've been beaten, you've had to flee Iran, Mina's been separated from her daughter and your lives are in limbo as you're waiting in exile, waiting for your asylum applications to be processed. After all of that, what does Masa Amini represent for you? And are you hopeful that change will come? Yeah, uh, this is like a bravery for me. It's like inspiration for me, for not just for me, for, for my sister, for everyone. Masa was uh, a 22-year-old daughter which is, uh, who, who was uh, innocent. She didn't do anything wrong. So 
we all inspired by by her bravery. Uh, she was innocent, and uh, I'm, uh, we will continue this uh, movement, of course. You cannot buy the revolution. You cannot make the revolution. You can only be the revolution. Mahdi, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you so much for being our voice, and I, this is an incredible help for us now. That was Mahdi and the activist Nagin Shiragahi. My thanks to them and to the journalist Deepa Parent for her help with this episode. You can read Deepa's piece on Iran's new hijab bill and follow the coverage of Masa Amini's death a year later and more from Iran at theguardian.com. That's it for today. I'm Nasheen, and this episode was produced by Lucy Hoff. Sound design is by Solomon King. The executive producer was Huma Khalili. We'll be back again on Monday. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.